In this episode, I'm going to be all over the place, and it's really hard to explain. Listen to the uh, intro of the show after the theme music plays here in just a second, and that'll clarify it a little bit, because I'm going to be talking about a lot of stuff, mostly just paying tribute to my friend John, who passed away at the end of last year. That's what we're doing. So, I'm back. I'm at least mostly free of the COVID stuff, and I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you're listening to Empty Checking. Hey there, Checkmates. It's your old Uncle Derek. Good to finally be back with you after almost a month off recovering from COVID symptoms. Uh, Because, yeah, if you missed any of the uploads I did between episodes, uh, of which I think there were only two, uh, I did come down with a case of COVID. It uh, really wreaked havoc on particularly my throat as I had been... I completely lost my voice at one point to where to get any sound out at all, I had to, like, sort of scream, which hurt, and it, uh, like, I could get a a couple of words out at at a time, maybe, and people kept calling me, uh, and, you know, so that was kind of a difficult, uh, situation, but, uh, I do have a little bit of a lingering cough just because it takes forever for your throat to heal, um... And in line with that, I've got some aches and pains, like in sort of my chest and back uh, areas that I'm sure from the coughing and whatnot. Uh, Also suffering from the uh, COVID brain fog, which I don't know how much you've heard about that, because that's one of the things they don't go into as much detail with when they tell you what to look for. Uh, It what it does is it's uh, for some people, it causes a lot of confusion Uh, For others, it just makes you a little bit more easily distracted, like you've got a little bit of ADD or something like that, or a little bit more in some of our cases. Uh, For uh, others still, it just sort of, you lose your train of thought. It's not so much that you're distracted, you just lose your train of thought. And then for others, uh, it, it also can take on some physical type symptoms where you get a little bit dizzy or you get headaches or, or, you know, stuff like that. Uh, me personally, I've been sort of my thought, I've, I've been finding my thoughts derailing, which you may or may not notice a difference on your end if you're a fan of the show, but, uh, I've been noticing that happening a lot and also, um, just kind of, uh, a little bit of, a little bit of dizziness and fatigue still left over with it. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've noticed I'm very kind of, uh, uh, more, um, What's the word I'm looking for? See, here's what this is a little bit what it's like. Uh, I I'm, I just sort of struggle to get the thoughts out as as uh, well as I normally might be able to. Uh, I'm a little bit uh, I don't want to use the word disoriented because that implies some things that aren't happening. But I'm I'm just my my train of thought isn't as strong as it normally might be. So you might have to put up with a little bit of that in the episode, which again means on your end, absolutely nothing has changed about the show. But in general, uh, I uh, it was a rough time, especially the first week of it. And uh, it I am very, very certain that the only reason that I wasn't in the hospital was because I was vaccinated. 
Uh, I have not actually had my booster shot, although now that I've had COVID, I kind of have, but I'm, I'm still going to schedule my booster shot here soon. Uh, I'm reading conflicting um, uh, reports of how long you should wait after you've recovered from COVID, so I'm, I'm probably going to wait just a little bit longer, but uh, not very. I'm going to get that booster shot. Uh, but yeah, it's it's bad, and it's something that could have put me in the hospital easily, and uh, it didn't because I have had the vaccine, and uh, that's good news. The uh, irony is not lost on me that I got COVID at a celebration of life, which is a, you know, kind of nice word for funeral. Uh, it, it, it doesn't escape me, the irony there, but... Uh, uh, that's actually kind of what we're going to be talking about in this episode, is is the guy that uh, whose celebration it was. But a little bit of business here up front before we do that. Uh, I want to take a moment, because quite a bit of time has gone by since I actually did an episode. So there's there's stuff that has happened in the world that I feel the need to address, and that I feel the need to mention uh, because of the nature of this show being a pop culture type show, we've lost a lot of people from pop culture in the recent past couple of weeks, past few weeks. Uh, been kind of a rough start to the year on a lot of uh, foots, feats, something like that. It's been a rough start for a lot of people is what I'm trying to say. Um, and I want to just take a second and maybe on a future episode, I'll go into more detail on some of these. I particularly have a lot to say about one of the, uh, uh, personalities that I'm going to mention, but I want to take a second at least to say rest in peace to Betty White, Sidney Poitier, Bob Saget, Meatloaf, and Louis Anderson. That is a heartbreaking list. Uh, two of them were in their nineties, not necessarily unexpected, it's a shame that Betty White didn't make it to her 100th birthday. She was very, very close, but nevertheless, uh, Bob Saget was a shock. Uh, Meatloaf was and wasn't a shock. Louis Anderson was a shock to me. Um, yeah, just, I, I, I'll, I'll go into probably more detail in a different episode, but I just wanted to say rest in peace to those personalities. Uh, and yes, including Meatloaf, who was an anti-vax guy. And, uh, like, actually quoted in, uh, within the last year as saying, if I die, I die, but I'm, you know, I, I, I won't let anyone take my freedom or something like that. Uh, even, yes, I disagreed with Meatloaf very abrasively and on that subject, and that needs to be mentioned because I'm so pro-vax in everything I say on this show. But, uh, I mean, imagine disagreeing with somebody but still not wanting them to die, you know? Um, I was sad to hear that that happened. He contributed to a lot of music that I really, really love, and that made me sad as well. So I just want to say that up front. I also want to uh, address something that's kind of a bummer of a subject to have to do in this episode where I'm going to be paying tribute to a friend, but it is a piece of business that I feel I really need to mention. Uh, and it's something where I don't like to talk badly about other podcasters, usually, because I'm... I'm a tiny, tiny fish in a in a pond with some sharks and whales, and uh, I it, it's I think it's not very classy for a small fish to go after a whale. But uh, although more classy than a whale going after a small fish, but you know what I mean. I think um, I do want to take just a second to talk about the kerfuffle going on with uh, Joe Rogan 
Neil Young and Spotify. Um, there's a very good chance that you are listening to this show on Spotify. Uh, that's that's entirely likely because this show does hit Spotify, and I I do decent numbers from my Spotify plays from what I see on my dashboard at the Podbean site. Um, I uh, have been highly critical of Spotify in the past, particularly because of how they fail to pay correct dividends to artists. Uh, they do not. They do not adequately reimburse, uh, reimburse or reimburse or whatever. They don't pay artists, right? They they just don't. Um, what's happened recently is Joe Rogan has been consistently spouting outright lies that he knows are outright lies on his show about vaccination and other subjects. And I think earlier in the week he had the, uh, what he thought was profound, uh, realization that black people aren't actually black. They're really brown. Like he's so stupid that he has stumbled into racism. Uh, don't like the guy. Not a Joe Rogan fan. I don't respect his uh, uber-masculinity bullshit. I don't respect his opinions. I think that he's not a funny comic. Uh, I think that the way that he dealt with Carlos Mencia, who, yes, was a joke thief and needed to be called out with it, I think the way that he dealt with Carlos Mencia was racist back in the day. I haven't liked him for a very long time, long before he was doing his bullshit podcast. But his bullshit podcast reaches a lot of people, possibly even you. If it does reach you, you need to know that he says lies. He spreads lies. He spreads misinformation, especially about this virus that is killing people. A virus that is still having after effects on my body while I'm talking to you right now. So I'm I'm gonna take that a little personally, even though he didn't he he doesn't have any idea who I am. Uh Spotify has exclusive rights to Joe Rogan's podcast to the tune of $100 million. They've given him a ton of money, money that I'll never see. He's probably the only person that Spotify has ever paid well. And a lot of people are taking issue with that. One such person is Neil Young, of whom I'm a massive fan, as you probably know if you've listened to the show, or if you've just put (laughs) two seconds of thought into my whole deal. I'm a big Neil Young fan. Neil Young is my co-pilot. And, uh, uh, Neil took, has taken umbrage with Spotify doing what they're doing, I think just in general, but particularly as it applies to Joe Rogan, and sent them the ultimatum, ultimatum, hard word for me to say tonight, sorry, COVID brain, uh, Neil Young sent the ultimatum to Spotify, look, you can have Joe Rogan or you can have Neil Young, you can't have both, take my music off your service. And they are doing so, because... They don't, you know, they're not going to bow to Neil Young. They're also losing a bunch of subscribers. Uh, There are reports that you actually can't get help to cancel your subscription right now because they're so overwhelmed with people canceling their subscriptions. Uh, The best way to cancel your subscription to Spotify is to go into your credit card information on Spotify and uh, remove it or change it so that they can't keep renewing your subscription. That's the best way to get out of your Spotify subscription right now because, uh... Uh, you won't get help from their customer service, which is non-existent. Um, I, of course, back Neil Young and his decision. A lot of people do. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't care. A lot of people don't know about it. Um, Neil Young is a uh, personal hero of mine. He's always 
done what he thought was right. He always has uh, fought for truth and for freedom, uh, which I, I, I know that you might think, well, this is a freedom of speech issue and shouldn't Neil Young be on the side of freedom of speech? Uh, telling lies isn't freedom of speech, and freedom of speech always comes with limitations. And if you're telling lies, that's not covered under freedom of speech. That's covered under things like libel and slander. And Joe Rogan knows that he's not telling the truth about the COVID pandemic. He knows it. Scientists have confronted him directly, and he has chosen to avoid them and ignore them. Neil Young has always done the opposite. If you want to keep listening to Neil's stuff, it's all on Amazon, and it's uh, high-quality downloads on Amazon and streaming on Amazon. But personally, I recommend something that I've been a member of for a couple of years now. That would be the Neil Young Archives over at neilyoungarchives.com. Uh, if you pay a $2 a month subscription to Neil Young's website, uh, or $20 for a full year, and there are different packages that go way more money, but if you just want to hear his music, $2 a month, you get access to absolutely everything. You get his entire solo catalog, get all of the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, including the 50th anniversary of Deja Vu box set that was four LPs that came out last year, including the live concerts. You get all the Buffalo Springfield stuff. You get rarities and things that you can only find at the Neil Young Archives website. Uh, it puts an app on your phone while well, you download an app for your phone that is connected to your screen name, and you have ab access to absolutely all of Neil's career. Uh, I haven't actually counted, but I, I am certain it's over 100 albums, two bucks a month, and he keeps on putting out more stuff. It's really cool. I recommend that highly if you're a Neil Young person and you're sad that he's not on Spotify. You can get super high-quality streaming from Neil directly. Uh, also gives you a, a little bit of a discount at his online web store. So that's just some information there. Obviously, I stand behind Neil in this thing. Spotify, I've spoken out against constantly, despite the fact that I'm on it, and I want to address the hypocrisy of that. Spotify is reprehensible. I don't support Spotify. I don't like Spotify. Uh, the times where I do use Spotify, I use Spotify occasionally to preview music that I haven't heard before, and if I like it, I buy it. If I don't, then I don't. Um, but that's the extent of that. And also, I, I do presently listen to podcasts through Spotify, but every podcast that I listen to through Spotify does their own ad reads. They don't uh, get ad money from Spotify, nor does Spotify make money off of them. Uh, Spotify also does not make any money for me. I don't have any ads in this show. They don't place any ads in this show that I'm aware of. Uh, I make absolutely no money from Spotify. Spotify also makes no money from me. I do not have a paid subscription, and I never have, and I never will. Um, I can't remember. When I set up this podcast on this go-around, there were places that I had to ask to carry the show, and there were places that I didn't that just pull in my RSS feed. That's a difficult concept to, to explain what an RSS feed is. But just know that if you're listening to this on any podcast app, the odds are it. I didn't ask it. Ask the app that you listen to to start playing my show. Uh, what you do is you set up an RSS feed, and that kind of sends out to everybody just the feed of your show, and it shows up on their particular app. I don't know how it works. 
I that's about as best as I can explain it. Imagine just like imagine singing into a microphone and whatever you're singing goes everywhere and whoever can pick up the feed can play it. That's essentially what having an RSS feed for your podcast is. Uh, I can't remember if I had to go through any hoops to get Spotify to play the show or not, because as far as I remember, I just looked one day and it was there. But I might be wrong about that. I don't remember everything that I did when I set up everything. I'll tell you this, I'm looking into it, because as much as it would hurt my numbers, if I can pull this show off Spotify, I'm going to do that. So, uh, I recommend CastBox, I recommend... Uh, the Podbean thing where the show is hosted. The show is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. Uh, I recommend going to just my blog, which has a player for every episode on it over at uh, emptychecking.blogspot.com. I'm there. Uh, CastBox is good. Uh, there are other podcasting apps. It's on Apple uh, Podcasts as well. Uh, there are plenty of options to hear this show out there other than Spotify, who I abhor. So I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to say Neil Young's right, Joe Rogan's wrong. Uh, gee, big surprise there. And uh, I don't support Spotify. I don't think you should either. And uh, it's fine. Look, if you want to keep supporting Spotify, that's fine. But you might see this show disappear from it. Um, that's the bottom line of that. I think Neil Young is right, because I almost always think that Neil Young is right. And uh, I almost always think that Joe Rogan is wrong. Peaked with news radio. There, I said it. Okay, that was the little bit of business to do up top. We're going to move on into a subject that matters a whole lot more. I guess I should also just tell you the websites. I hit on most of them there, but the companion blog for the show is emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. DerekBrink.com is a good place to go to read about me and my nonsense uh, we're on whatever podcast app you're listening to it on right now, at least for now. Um, if you want to email me to ask me questions, express concerns, comments, what have you, db at derekbrink.com is a great way to do it. Uh, the music also that you hear throughout the show is stuff that I wrote. <clears throat> Excuse me. My throat is uh, not... This is the most I've talked in about three weeks. Um, all the music is stuff that I wrote. And it's available over at derekbrink.bandcamp.com for absolutely free. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price, and you can take it, and I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. So, uh, that's all that stuff. Now, almost 20 minutes in, it's time to start the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh... We're gonna, we're gonna spend the rest of this time, and I'm sorry again that I had to start with all that stuff... It's it's ugly, and it's unpleasant, and the rest of the stuff is paying tribute to someone that was anything but those things. Um, we're going to take some time and pay some tribute to my friend John. Uh, I won't be saying his last name on the show because he had a little bit of a public presence, and he tried to keep his last name sort of removed from the internet part of that, and uh, his family, when they put out announcements and things about his passing, also kept his name away from his last name away from things, so I'm going to respect and honor that. But my friend John, uh, also known as John Co., um, passed away at the very end of last year, just a little bit before New Year's. Um, 
he was a really good guy. He was also uh, somewhat well known. He he uh, uh, ran a popular comedy and just general interest blog called Bits and Pieces over at uh, bitsandpieces.us, and there will be a link to that over on emptychecking.blogspot.com. Uh, and Bits and Pieces was in operation for about 20 years. Like, he got in on the on the comedy blog thing pretty early, and uh, he built a really strong following. Uh, people, you know, from all over the world have have been in and out of Bits and Pieces over the years. And he built a strong community there, uh, which was kind of just his thing. He built community in everything that he did. But he built a, a strong community of bits and pieces among the commenters on the blog itself, but also with his Facebook pre- presence, which was John Coestl, which is uh, still kind of out there. The website, bitsandpieces.us, uh, is still out there, and it looks like his kids, I think primarily his daughter, have kind of taken over the, the helm of that. Um, which is great and which is cool. And that's, that's a good legacy. Uh, but I, I think the Facebook presence is also still kind of being looked in on, but it's mainly over at the blog now, but he, he was well known for doing that. And a lot of people were aware of that. Uh, he passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. Um, in case any members of his family are listening to this, I won't go into too much detail with that. No one needs to relive it. But the short version is uh, he apparently, it's difficult to say exactly what happened because he was alone at the time, but he apparently sustained a head injury and uh, was found unresponsive and later that night was put on hospice and was gone within a couple hours. It was very sudden, very shocking, and very sad. And John is someone who I have known for my entire life. He is, uh, was one of my dad's closest friends and longest standing friends. They uh, were friends and collaborators on things for over 50 years, probably a lot closer to 60, actually, because they got to know each other in the 1960s. So that, uh, that has to be, I mean, we're in 2022, that has to be 60 years. Um he uh he was he was one of the closest things that my dad's ever going to have to a brother. My dad was an only child, but John and also dad's friend Dan, uh they they're the closest dad's ever going to have to brothers. And uh so John in my life was more or less an uncle, although I never called him Uncle John. I do call Dan Uncle Dan. <laughs> I don't know what the difference is there, but John, I always just called John, or sometimes in internet circles, I would call him John Co because that's what he put as his handle on everything, which is a takeoff on the old Ronco commercials. If you remember the Ronco line of products, uh, that's it was just a takeoff on that, but he made it his own. And, um, I knew him, like I said, I knew him my entire life. My dad knew him for 60 years. I'm 42, well, 41. I start saying 42 when the year turns, you know, I start saying the next age every year just to get used to saying it, but I'm I'm 41. Uh, so, you know, he's been in my life for my entire life. There wasn't a time where, where he wasn't there. And uh, it was heartbreaking that he went. But I I wanted to find a way to pay tribute to him in a way that uh, felt appropriate to who he was. And uh, this is it. This is what we're going to do. I 
will will on my social media and elsewhere occasionally just share things that I think are fun or funny or interesting. And a whole bunch of times over the last 20 years, John has seen one of those things and has put it on the Bits and Pieces blog. And uh, just with, you know, just the video or the image or whatever it is, and just thanks, Derek, underneath it. And uh, I was thinking about that, and that sort of... I, I ended up just going back through those posts and looking at them and being kind of amazed by how many there were that he had shared over the years. Uh, we're talking probably a couple of dozen, and how wide a spectrum of things they are. I mean, mostly musical, but there was other stuff in there as well, and we'll we'll touch on a lot of it. Um, so I just, uh, I wanted to do something to honor John, and what I'm doing is I'm going to go through several of the things that he shared on Bits and Pieces that he just said, thanks, Derek, at the end of them. And I'm going to just talk about those things and what those things mean to me and why they're interesting and why you should be into those things. Uh, basically, I'm going to tell you what uh, what would be on Bits and Pieces if I were the only one writing it, <laughs> which uh, thankfully I'm not. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is essentially what the show is. I'm Everything I'm going to talk about here in the next little bit is stuff that John shared on Bits and Pieces because I had shared it and he saw it and it meant something to him and he liked it. Some of it's more personal, some of it's more ridiculous, and... Uh, I think it'll be a good time. I think you'll enjoy hearing some of this stuff. There are a few things that I want to say about John uh, up top before I get into that stuff, because there's there's stuff that you just don't quite get to cover in all of this, because I'm not going to talk about every post even of mine that he shared, but because uh, there's too many and it would go on too long, but there there's stuff that needs to be said about John that won't come up organically in those posts, so it, it, uh, it seems like... It would be a crime not to mention that he was a huge Elvis fan, big, big fan of Elvis, and I also really, really love Elvis, and uh, although, weirdly, we never talked about Elvis, uh, to my memory, but uh, he really loved Elvis, and it, it, that, it just seems wrong not to mention that. Uh, also worth mentioning that he saw The Who here in St. Louis in the, I think, early 70s, uh, while my dad was still stationed in Okinawa, Japan, with the Vietnam War going on. Uh, John was <laughs> here in St. Louis watching The Who, and uh, I just think that's cool. Uh, one of the things, actually, that's out there that if you want a, an idea of sort of John's level of uh, uh, involvement with the internet, there's a, he's actually a meme. He's He, he, he himself is a meme out there. If you, uh, if, I, I think even if you just Google old school selfie, just... As it sounds, the word old, school, and selfie, if you Google that, he pops up. A picture of him pops up, and it's labeled old school selfie, and he's just standing there in, like, an orange shirt, holding, like, an old, uh, I think it's rotary phone, just holding the handset up to a mirror, and there's a picture there, and it's, you know, just kind of a joke of, oh, I took a picture with an old, old-fashioned phone. So, yeah, old school selfie. That's, uh, that meme, if you've ever seen that, that's, that's John. That's that's John. He's he's a successful meme, which uh, I think is kind of a fitting tribute to him because he was always, uh, I mean, he was one of the first pe people I ever knew who had the internet, you know, and he uh, he was always on interested in technology and on the cutting edge of technology. He 
in recent years was flying drones around and taking video and pictures and stuff with drones, and he had a Tesla, and yeah, he was just always uh, good with computers and with, with audio stuff, and, uh, and that's part of our connection, and uh, it's just kind of cool that he's a meme out there. That's pretty pretty awesome. Um, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. I could talk about John all day because he was a really good guy, uh, but one of the things that's going to come up a little bit in, in this, I'm going to go ahead and get out of the way explaining now, he was also a member of the club The Gluttons, which if you Google, like, Gluttons St. Louis, you'll find it. Uh, and that is a club that was form- formed in 1964. My dad and John both are founding members. And uh, it's an organization that is still going today. That is a uh, legitimate charity, uh, or nonprofit, I should say, organization, and uh, has dues-paying members, and so on and so on and so on that started out just as a bunch of guys in high school saying, we should form a club and be friends forever. And then they did. And it actually worked. Uh, And he was one of the gluttons. And he was really, in many ways, the glue that held together the generations of gluttons. Uh, Someone mentioned that at his celebration of life. Um, He was a really good guy. And his celebration of life was wonderful and devastating. Uh, My dad spoke at it, and I was glad that he did, and I never want to hear it again. uh, Because I know how hard that was for dad. And it was hard to listen to for me, although he did a great job. Um, that uh, that gathering, John, throughout his life, had said, you know, when I'm gone, I don't want any big deal made of it. I don't want a big gathering or anything like that. But he was gone, and there was nothing he could do to stop us. <laughs> so there was a big gathering for him during a pandemic. Um, which uh, uh, that gathering took place in the Glutton's Clubhouse, which is essentially a ranch-style house. Imagine imagine your first, your first one-bedroom apartment. It's roughly that size of a space that had a couple hundred people crammed into it and was being streamed live to the internet so that members of the Bits and Pieces community could watch it and uh, was a really big deal. And that's uh, how I got COVID, <laughs> which uh, uh, I don't blame any member of his family for. Um, I want to be clear about that. They they were right to do it. They needed to have that celebration. Uh, the people there needed to attend it. I needed to attend it. I've said to a couple people that if you had said to me on November 7th, November 7th, uh, January 7th, COVID brain, if you had said to me on January 7th that, hey, if you go to John's celebration of life on the 8th, you're going to walk out with COVID, I still would have gone to the Celebration of Life on the 8th. I would not have changed that. I would have absolutely done that again. And uh, it really was a beautiful event. There were people from all over the place. Uh, Bits and Pieces fans drove in from as far as, like, Ohio and Alabama, and we're in St. Louis, so you do the math on that. And uh, it was just a really good gathering where I and a few other people got sick. (laughs) But I think we're all doing okay now. But, uh... He was, a, he was a really great guy. He was very involved with the internet. He was very involved with technology. And I think that the best way that I could, I could manage to do on this show to pay tribute to him would be to talk about these posts that showed up on his blog. And uh, that's, that's what we're going to do with the rest of this time. So 
Sit back, relax, grab something to drink, even if it's only water or milk. Me, personally, I'm drinking a glass of uh, Bullet Bourbon, which uh, I am enjoying quite a bit. It's actually the first drink I've had since I got COVID, because uh, I just I decided to take no risks and had nothing to drink during that time. Uh, so I'm, I'm enjoying this very much, as you might imagine. And uh, we're going to... We're going to go through a bunch of weird stuff here, and we're going to start by talking about some of the musical stuff that that I shared over the years that John then shared on Bits and Pieces. One of the very earliest things that uh, I, well, this is a little bit, it's a little bit untrue. Uh, one of the earliest things that showed up on the current version of the blog, uh, John is John had to migrate to a different host at one point, and a lot of the posts that were made in the early days of the blog no longer exist anywhere. But uh, uh, so there's stuff that I contributed that well contributed that i i posted or shared with john uh, or just put on the internet and john liked and took and put on his own site and just said thanks derek uh there there's stuff there going back to like 2002 but uh that isn't all on the current version of the website on the current version of the website one of the earliest things that john shared that i put out there uh musically anyway because right now we're talking about music was a song by the hold steady who I've talked about on on this show before, one of my favorite bands in sort of the Americana-type genre. Um, You could find them on a bill with, like, Drive-By Truckers and Jason Isbell, probably. They're a little bit different from that, though. They're uh, very very much a rock band, just a fun, energetic rock band, and their singer kind of talk sings, is (laughs) what the Hold Steady is. Uh, And one day on Bits and Pieces, I saw that John had shared something with a thanks Derek under it, that was the video for the Hold Steady's song "Stay Positive," which is one of my favorite Hold Steady songs, uh, off of one of my favorite Hold Steady albums. Second favorite Hold Steady album, actually. My favorite Hold Steady album is "Heaven Is Whenever," but the "Stay Positive" album, of which the title track was shared by John, is my second favorite. Uh, but has my favorite Hold Steady song on it, so it's a little bit complicated. Um, of of that album, the better song is Constructive Summer, but uh, I, at the time, shared Stay Positive, and John liked it, I think, because the whole deal of the song is it sounds very uh, aggressive and abrasive and kind of minor key, but the chorus is, you gotta stay positive. And uh, I think that's something that spoke to John. I, uh, You know, I can't tell you why most of what I'm going to be talking about spoke to John or what he found funny or interesting or whatever about it. Uh because Bits and Pieces was primarily a comedy blog, but he also would post just stuff that he liked, music or what have you, that he thought was interesting. And that's that's the majority of what gets credited to me on there. Um, so I, I don't necessarily know what spoke to John on most of these, because we didn't really talk about it. He just sort of passed it along and said, thanks, Derek. But uh, I think probably what spoke to him about that Hold Steady song was just the notion of you gotta stay positive. Because uh, I, I, it just seemed like that's sort of who he was, or it, it sort of 
at least wanted to be, you know, like he wanted to see the positive side of things. And I think that song just kind of spoke to him in that way. But like it also had that minor key thing going on. So I think it was just interesting to him. That's why it's interesting to me anyway. And that was uh, that was uh, it, it. it's just always cool when you put like you put out there that, hey, I really like this piece of music. And somebody else says, oh, yeah, I do, too. That's really cool. And like maybe they're not even somebody who you would have expected to like that, but they gave it a chance because you shared it, and they go, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to tell other people about it. That's always a great feeling, and that happened a lot with John and me, and that's uh, that's kind of nice. And uh, Stay Positive is one of the first songs that uh, you can find on the current version of the blog of, of uh, uh, bitsandpieces.us. Uh, and it was just kind of cool to go back through the posts and see that and kind of go, yeah, that's one of my favorite bands, at least of that ilk. And, uh, it was just kind of cool to see that he had shared it. Uh, another song that he shared is a song that really, really means a lot to me. And I was really glad that he liked it and shared it on the blog uh, or on on the website. Well, I don't know. On bits and pieces, I should just say bits and pieces. Uh, I yeah, I was very happy to see this one show up, and that is the song Fourth of July" by Amy Mann. Uh, I have made it very clear as recently as the last full episode of this show that I absolutely adore Amy Mann. Uh, she is one of my favorite all-time artists. She's just fantastic. And Fourth of July is one of my favorite songs of hers. It's one of my favorite songs. Uh, the version that uh, I shared and that made it onto uh, uh, bits and pieces. <clears throat> excuse me. A uh, little bit of little bit of throat problem still from the COVID. Uh, the version that I, I shared that made it onto bits and pieces was from her live at Saint Anne's Warehouse record. Uh, the studio version of it is great too, but the, that live version, for some reason, just rips right through me, and I just love that version of it. And uh, I shared it, and John shared it too, and I just, I, I, it's hard for me to put into words what I love about that song. I think it, it very specifically reminds me of somebody who I know is not an Amy Mann fan, even to this day. Uh, even though we've a little bit lost touch. That could have changed, but I doubt it. Um, but it reminds me of somebody, and I I just have the feeling that if she knew the song, she would identify with it in a way, and I know who she would want to sing the song about, you know? But more than that, I also hear that song, and I find myself on both ends of it. I find myself understanding the point of view that Amy Mann is presenting in it, and also being on the receiving end of it, that like, oh god, I think she's singing that song at me, you know? Like, I, I feel all of the, all of those feelings about it, because, I mean, the lyrics to it, the, the, it starts with, today's the 4th of July, another June has gone by, and when they light up our town, I just think, what a waste of gunpowder and sky. And that line alone, if that's all the song was, that would speak to me in a big way, because I have felt that every 4th of July of my life, when I see fireworks go off, it just, what a waste of gunpowder and sky. That's all we could do with it, you know? And, like, I've always felt that. So, like, that line alone speaks to me, but the chorus just tears me up sometimes. 
because uh, the chorus is, Oh, baby, I wonder if when you are older someday you'll wake up and say, My God, I should have told her. What would it take? But now here I am and the world's gotten colder and she's got the river down which I sold her. Uh, that, when I hear Amy Mann sing that, I that, literal chills almost every time. Because, like I say, I've I've been on both sides of that. I understand the emotion that she's expressing, but I've also been on the other side and been the guy thinking, my God, I should have told her, you know? Um, and that song speaks to me in a big, big way, and I just, it's it's one of those perfect, wonderful songs. And uh, it, it was nice that John shared it, and it was good to kind of watch it again as I was doing the prep for this episode. Uh, he also shared, uh, I'm going to talk about two more songs here. He also shared a couple that I don't think would have normally been in his wheelhouse. Because he, uh, I mean, he liked a lot of music, and he liked a variety of music, but he was a guy that, you know, like I say, my dad got to know him in the 60s, you know, so uh, he was of an age that wouldn't necessarily be into some of the same music that I am, or, you know, whatever. Uh, and a couple of things sort of jumped out at me as well. I don't think he would have heard that if not for me, and he shared it anyway, and liked it anyway, and found it interesting anyway. Uh, and I'll tell you this, like, now I'm in my 40s, and the two songs I'm about to talk about are probably a little bit passe and dated, and the kids now probably don't wouldn't think twice about it, but to me it was cool that John liked it, you know? Uh, and one of those two songs was the song Misunderstood by Dream Theater. I'm a big Dream Theater fan. There have been times in my life where they were my favorite band. Uh, right now, like them, don't love them, you know? <laughs> like, I, I'm still in, and I still, like, I, I pick up the new album every time, and I listen to it, and I enjoy it, but I'm not obsessed. I was obsessed for a very long time. Uh, and Misunderstood is off of their album Six De Degrees of Inner Turbulence, which is one of those albums that kind of divides the fan base a little bit. People love it or hate it. Uh, and I've been, honestly, on both sides of that fence over the years. There have been, like, when it first came out, I went, well, this is nothing. But it grew on me to the point where I, I really love a lot of the tracks on it, and Misunderstood is one of my favorite Dream Theater tracks. Uh, it, uh, it starts off very, very quiet. I mean, if I, I, I'm kind of assuming that you know who Dream Theater is. They're a progressive rock band bordering on progressive metal. Uh, so it starts off very quiet and very kind of semi-acoustic guitar-y and uh, just sort of very quiet with the vocal gathering the majority of the attention, you know? Because, like, it's one of those things where it's it's peaceful enough and quiet enough that you're drawn into the vocal and what's being said. And that uh, that is one of the cool things about the song, and that's one of the absorbing things about the song. I think everybody that likes the song first gets attracted to the lyric. So I'm assuming that's probably the case for John as well, but at a certain point it goes in just a flash from being peaceful and quiet like that. It builds a little bit, but just out of nowhere it's suddenly very, very heavy, and it gets weird in a kind of bridge in, in the fade-out. Uh, but uh, the, the thing that speaks to me most about the song... Uh, is I mean, the chorus part is just the line, if I seem superhuman, I have been misunderstood, which is an okay line. Not not great, but not terrible. You know, that's that's a perfectly good line. But uh, the thing that, that kind of speaks to me is coming out of that, coming out of if I seem superhuman, I've been misunderstood, 
uh, there's a, uh, well, I mean, the, the sort of chorus itself leading into that is, how can I feel abandoned even when the world surrounds me? How can I bite the hand that feeds the strangers all around me? How can I know so many, never really knowing anyone? If I seem superhuman, I've been misunderstood. That's the full context of the chorus. But... And I, I love that as a as a full uh, stanza, but what I really like is there's kind of a bridge stanza that happens, and there, it happens twice, and you get half of it one time, and you get the full version the second time, and the full version that leads into how can I feel abandoned even when the world surrounds me really speaks to me and is the thing that devastates me when I listen to the song, and that uh, that that stanza is playing a lion being led to a cage. I turn from surreal to seclusion, from love to disdain, from belief to delusion, from a thief to a beggar, from a god to God save me. And something about that just always rips my face off when I hear it. And uh, then the song gets weird, and there's all this like weird uh, discordant music happening, and uh, it goes all over the place, but the parts of it that speak to me speak to me really, really well, and it was very cool to see John share that, because it seems like, oh, I, I think he probably got that song, too, maybe in some of the same ways I did. And also, again, it was just cool of somebody, to see somebody of his generation like something that weird and that heavy, you know? So that's that, that was kind of cool. Dream Theater's Misunderstood, great song off of a pretty cool album. Uh, the other... The other weird one is one that I always think nobody's going to like <laughs> when, when I share it, just because it's so specifically, like, you've got to be or know a bass player, I think, to, to really be into this. Uh, and I don't mean that as a knock, if, if the guy who wrote it ever hears this, which he won't. But uh, the other song that I shared, that John also shared, is a bass solo by a bass player named Michael Manring, who is one of my top influences as a musician. And uh, the song is called Monkey Businessman. And it's hard to describe it because uh, you just sort of have to experience Michael Manring because he is just a monster of a bass player. He does things that shouldn't be possible on a bass, makes the bass make sounds that it shouldn't be able to make. And he has a, a solo called Monkey Businessman that first appeared on his uh, 1990s album Thonk. And uh, he did, there was some live version of it out there where he did like a bass clinic and just played the song live with no overdubs or anything like that and just for an audience, whoever was in the room. And he talked a little bit of what sort of inspired him to write it and stuff like that. And that was interesting, but it was also just really cool to see him play it and to go, even being a bass player and watching him play, I don't know how he's doing that. You know, like it's, he's one of those guys that uh, I think I'm stealing this line from somewhere and I don't know where, but he's one of those guys that just the first time I heard him play, I thought, well, I've got to build a statue and it's got to be a him, you know? And uh, <laughs> so anytime somebody expresses to me that because of me, they liked a Michael Manring song, that feels great. And uh, John shared Miss, uh, uh, Monkey Businessman. And that meant a lot to see, because that's uh, just one of my primary influences being passed along to a wider audience than I would have reached, because Bits and Pieces had a ton of, of uh, viewers. So it was just always cool when that would happen, and it was even cooler when it was something that really meant a lot to me. So 
that's uh, the music stuff that I wanted to talk about. There are more pieces of music that I had shared over the years that also ended up there, but again, I don't want this to go too, too terribly long, and we've got two more, like, sort of chunks of things to talk about. We've got sort of a random hodgepodge of stuff to talk about, and then some, like, personal notes of stuff that he shared that's a little bit more personal to me that we'll talk about, and that'll be the last thing we do, but... We're done with the music part, anyway, for now. At least mostly. A little bit of music bleeds into the other two sections, but these th- we're done with me talking about somebody else's tracks for the most part. We're gonna move on into talking about some of the random, sort of, eh, more or less more funny stuff that uh, that he shared that, you know, because he saw it on something that I shared, and uh, then then we'll kind of move on from there, but... Yeah, that was, uh, I wanted to talk about that music stuff, because music is, like, the most important thing in my life, it's the most important thing in a whole bunch of people's lives, and John, as an avid music fan, it was just cool to see him share stuff that I liked, and that, uh, that always meant a lot to see. I'm getting old and irrelevant And I'm starting to watch my friends die Let's give them hope, give them sentiment Make them laugh so they don't want to cry Right now I'm alive, and so are you John also shared some kind of random stuff that I would put out there on the internet, particularly through my Facebook uh, And some of that's just kind of interesting and cool and was fond memories And, And there's... Uh, I'm going to start, actually, by talking about one that I barely remember, because uh, he, uh, he uh, the the majority of the stuff at Bits and Pieces, as I said before, was just funny stuff, or stuff that he found funny anyway, uh, and usually I did too. And uh, one of the things that he shared was something that I had shared on my Facebook that I kind of forgot that I did until I was doing the research for this episode and stumbled upon it on Bits and Pieces. Because it's something that uh, Conan O'Brien said, and I'm a big fan of Conan O'Brien's, and uh, it was just an image of, like, Conan standing there in a suit doing his monologue on his old show, and uh, it was, I, I, I don't have it here in front of me, but it was something to the effect of, uh, uh, it was about the Super Bowl that year, I think 2014, maybe? Uh, somebody out there will know this immediately, but I don't. Uh, the joke was something to the effect of uh, uh, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers has admitted that the band did not play live during the show last night, during the halftime show last night, but in his defense, neither did the Broncos, which uh, is probably a good joke, probably a good football joke, if you know anything about football or or remember that game at all. I guess at the time I agreed. Um I don't know anything about football. I <laughs> I don't know what would have possessed me to share that, uh, other than I like Conan O'Brien and have thoughts about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, but uh, I, I have no thoughts on the Broncos. I have no thoughts on football in general. I really don't watch football that often. Uh, in the past, I would watch one game a year, and that game was the Super Bowl. And usually would just arbitrarily pick, uh, like that team a little better for some reason, and would, you know, sort of 
Uh, and honestly, sometimes the reason I would like a team is because of the party that I would go to. Sometimes somebody that I really didn't like liked the other team, so I would be rooting against him, basically. Um, <laughs> and that's probably what happened here. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just I shared that, and John put it on bits and pieces. It's not, uh, like I say, I barely remember that, but it does give me a chance to kind of talk about the the Super Bowl Shrimp Fest that took place at the Gluttons Club every year, because that was uh, always a, a fond memory for me. They're probably going to do it this year, uh, even though they shouldn't, with COVID on the rise and getting more and more contagious with every variant. Um, but yeah, the Gluttons, well, every Super Bowl, and they haven't... If they have the past couple of years, then I haven't gone, but I don't think they even have the past year or two. Uh, every Super Bowl, they would just kind of throw a party, and I assume still do throw a party, that uh, just you watch the game, and there's a ton of food there, most notab notably the peel-and-eat shrimp, of which I am a huge, huge fan. And uh, there would just be a ton of shrimp, and you'd sit there, and you'd eat a bunch of food, and you'd drink a couple beers, and you'd watch the game, and sometimes I'd leave at halftime, and sometimes I'd stay at the end, it depended. Um, but I was, I've never been into football, never been a fan. In fact, there are times where I've been rabidly opposed to football. Frankly, I think that most professional sports are just as rigged and phony as wrestling. Uh, including football, especially football, actually. Sorry, everybody. And by the way, the UFC is absolutely as scripted as wrestling. But uh, that's not just my dislike of Joe Rogan talking. It's just I've been a wrestling fan forever, and I can tell a work when I see it. And most sports are. Sorry, everybody. They are. But, uh, uh, which, by the way, they're not, but in my mind, they are. Uh, like, that's the one thing that, like, well, the one thing. That's one of the things where I irrationally have that belief that probably isn't true, and I keep saying it as though it is. Uh, just because, the, the, like, I don't care if I'm wrong about that. It's fine if I'm wrong about that. But, like, if one day it comes out that, yeah, it turns out that football's always been rigged, I'm gonna look like a genius. Uh, so that's kind of why I say it. Uh, and also, nobody lives or dies uh, if I'm right about football being uh, a, a fix, being a work. Uh, but, you know, so if that's the most controver controversial position that you get on this show, uh, count your blessings. But uh, what was I... Uh, there's that COVID brain again. What was I talking about? The, the Shrimp Fest. The Super Bowl Shrimp Fest at the Gluttons Club. Uh, yeah, we'd always get together and stuff like that. And... One of the things about the Gluttons Club is I don't... You might not realize this listening to me do a podcast, however often you listen to it, and just hearing me talk for an hour at a time. I'm actually very shy. I uh, If I go to a party, I'm pretty quiet. I kind of end up sitting by myself and playing with the family dog, you know, <laughs> usually uh, at whatever party I've gone to. And I don't throw a lot of parties of my own. I don't really entertain that much, and... Uh, I'm very shy, very quiet, and reserved, and I would like to just sit quietly and, and you know, watch whatever I'm watching, you know, and in, including at a at a sporting event. I don't want to have a lot of interaction. I'm, I'm not going to scream when a play goes my way, or doesn't, you know. Uh, I'm just not that guy. Uh, so going to events like that, sometimes I don't really know how to handle myself. I don't really know where to where to turn or who to talk to or anything like that, but when it would be at the Gluttons Club, when there would be an event at the Gluttons Club, um, I'd end up hanging out with John a lot and talking to him a lot, 
because, like I said, I'm shy and quiet in in most respects until you put a microphone in front of me, and then everybody has to pay attention to me. Like this performer switch just flips on, and I, you know, it, it's it's sort of like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. You put a microphone in front of me, and the monster comes out, but. Uh, in social gatherings are very quiet. And if I end up at a social gathering sitting down next to you and talking to you and hanging out with you, that's because you feel safe and comforting. And uh, I sat next to John a lot at the Super Bowl, and uh, I just wanted to say that. Uh, I I, I don't know, that just felt important to me to say, and it was a Conan O'Brien meme that got me there. You know, because <laughs> uh, that's uh, it's it. That meme didn't remind me of the Chili Peppers. Didn't remind me of the Broncos. Didn't remind me of of football. Even it reminded me of uh, hanging out with my friend at uh, at a, a big event and just feeling like oh, I I I don't care about this, but I like this guy. You know, that uh, that means as much as anything. You know. Um. But let's talk about other stuff before this gets too sentimental and I start crying. Uh, and also, this episode's going to be long, folks, in case you are not looking at the time going by. We're in we're well over 50 minutes right now, so this one's going to go a little long. But I'm going to try to respect your time a little bit and, and move forward a little bit here. But Another sort of random thing that John shared on Bits and Pieces that uh, I was very happy to see that he shared was something was a sketch that was done by Hugh Laurie. Now, if you don't know much about Hugh Laurie, if all that you know about Hugh Laurie is that he played Dr. House on the TV show House, uh, there's a lot of background that you should know about Hugh Laurie for this to make any sense at all. One, he's British. He's actually British. Uh, the accent he was doing in House was a fake American accent. Um, absolutely British, and, uh, he was, in Britain, known for doing comedy, of all things, if you watch House. You can kind of see the comedic aspect of that, but yeah, he was, he was basically a comic. He was a sketch comedy type of guy in, in Britain before he got his break here. Um, he's also a musician. He plays piano and guitar and probably a couple other things. And, uh, uh, he, so he's, he's, he's more complicated than just, man, that, that actor who did the one show in America, uh, he's very successful, uh, in, in England particularly, especially for his team-ups with his constant comedy partner, Stephen Fry, who you probably know as, as well from things like, uh, he was on Bones and he's written a bunch of books and, uh, he's just one of those guys that if you think of British actors, Stephen Fry is going to come up eventually. Um, so they they had a comedy team that was called Fry and Laurie, and on their sketch comedy show in England, it was called uh, A Bit of Fry and Laurie. And there were four seasons of that, and I love every season of that. And one Fourth of July, one Independence Day here, I shared a song that Hugh Laurie did on A Bit of Fry and Laurie that was called America. And, uh, the, the, John, I think, just saw the humor in it, thought it was funny, and shared it on bits and pieces as well. Uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit difficult to explain, but it's very sort of 80s, and he's dressed a little bit like Bruce Springsteen, kinda, and, but he's playing a piano. And it's just him very sincerely, for a couple of minutes, just singing the word America. 
is is all all the song is. It's just America, 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 in a very sort of eighties way, and it always makes me laugh every time. It's just such a dumb joke, and so it's 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 literally a one note joke, and uh, it just makes me laugh every time. And I shared it, and it ended up on bits and pieces, and that always made me happy. And uh, I I constantly revisit that bit. I constantly revisit all of the songs that uh, Hugh Laurie did on A Bit of Fry and Laurie. If you're not familiar with A Bit of Fry and Laurie, seek that out. It's out there on DVD. It's probably on BritBox or something like that, one of the streaming services. Uh, absolutely worth your time to seek out the Bit of Fry and Laurie stuff. Just really fun, dumb, at the time, uh, cutting-edge English comedy that now was kind of quaint and and places outdated, you know, because there's, it's, you know, the 1980s to the 2020s, there, it's, uh, times have changed. Nothing horribly offensive in most ways uh, at in that show, but yeah, there are a couple of things where attitudes have moved on, and both of those guys, I know their attitudes have too, you know, but at the time it was funny. Uh, but yeah, it's it uh, at the time was very cutting edge, and like I said, now if anything, it's probably very quaint. But it's I genuinely love the bit of Fry and Laurie stuff, and it was cool that that John at least dialed into that song along with me. Um, the other thing that that uh, sort of falls into the random stuff category that he shared that I wanted to just take a second and talk about is actually something that's uh, kind of nice, kind of sweet, and uh, I'm glad that this. Uh, I'm glad that this got out there. And by got out there, I mean was shared on bits and pieces. Um, that's, uh, uh, boy, how do I even explain this? Back when, uh, Jerry Van Dyke passed away, if you don't know who Jerry Van Dyke is, you probably do. He's maybe best known as being, um, the character of Luther on the show Coach. Uh, or also, uh, he played Stacy Petrie, uh, the brother of Rob Petrie, on the Dick Van Dyke show, because Dick Van, Van Dyke is his older brother. Uh, in fact, that's probably what Jerry Van Dyke is best known as, as he's best known as Dick Van Dyke's brother. Um, but uh, also known as uh, the guy from My Mother the Car. Um, <laughs> Jerry Van Dyke, I, I there's a big place in my heart for Jerry Van Dyke. I really like him a lot, and uh, I was very sad to hear that he had died a few years ago. And I think I posted something about it at the time. But what uh, caught John's attention is something that I thought was really a sweet thing that first caught my attention. Uh, I follow Dick Van Dyke on Twitter. And, uh, unbelievably, Dick Van Dyke is on Twitter, but yeah, I, I follow Dick Van Dyke on Twitter, and when Jerry Van Dyke passed away, Jerry Van Dyke, like I said, probably best known for being Dick Van Dyke's brother. People just, oh, oh yeah, that guy, Dick Van Dyke's brother. You know, that, that was sort of his reputation, even within the industry. Um, when Jerry Van Dyke passed away, Dick Van Dyke did just the sweetest thing. He, uh, on his Twitter page, changed his, uh, avatar to a picture of Jerry, and changed his screen name from Dick Van Dyke to Jerry Van Dyke's brother. Which I thought was just the nicest thing. I could just sort of warm my heart and kind of put a lump in my throat. And, like, I screenshotted it and I shared it on Twitter and on Facebook and said something like, hey, can we just take a second to recognize that Dick Van Dyke changed his screen name and that's really, really sweet. And, 
uh, you know, it, it, just as a fan of both guys, that meant a lot to me to see, and I'm sure it meant a lot to Dick Van Dyke to do. And uh, after I shared that, Dick Van Dyke actually favorited the tweet that I put out there about it because, I mean, I guess he just noticed that, oh, hey, someone appreciated it. And that meant a lot to me because I've been a Dick Van Dyke fan since I was like six. And um, Dick Van Dyke, of course, from the Dick Van Dyke show and of Mary Poppins fame, and you know who Dick Van Dyke is. Uh, And John saw that on my social media and shared it on bits and pieces as well. And I just thought it was, you know... It was just nice that that reached a larger audience than the, like, six people who aren't bots who read my Twitter, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. That just made me happy. Because I'm, I'm a big Dick Van Dyke fan and a big Jerry Van Dyke fan, and it was just nice that, uh, I mean, I don't know to what extent a fan of either guy John was, but it was just nice that he saw that somebody out there did something nice and uh, he shared it with the world, you know, because uh, that's that's the kind of guy John was. He appreciated kindness and appreciated generosity, and he, I'm sure, saw that in what Dick Van Dyke did that day, and I certainly did too. And also, you, you know, you also see the mourning there and the uh, the tribute, and it was just a really beautiful thing that Dick Van Dyke did that day and made me, I already appreciated the guy, but made me appreciate him that much more, you know. And uh, uh, it was just cool that John shared that. And that's that's kind of the random stuff that I wanted to talk about. We've got one more segment that we're going to do here on the show, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. Uh, I want to talk about some of the more personal things of mine that uh, John shared on Bits and Pieces over the years. Unless you've somehow not been paying attention to this show, not just over time, but even in this episode, you uh, might you might just be aware that I'm a musician, and uh, I've written a bunch of stuff, and I've put a bunch of music out there, and I've done some cover songs that are out there. Uh, last year, I put out two albums, well, really three. I put out two albums of original material, and then exclusive through DerekBrink.com, I did a cover album that was the entirety of the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack. So, um, I keep busy, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I've done a lot of music. And uh, there are a number of occasions where uh, John would share something that I had put out there musically. Uh, and there are even a couple of times where John contributed to <laughs> things that I put out there in the world as a musician. And one of those things is actually the thing that I'm maybe most proud of in my musical career. For the club that Dad and John were members of, and Dad still is, but I'm hearing myself slowly getting used to referring to John in the past tense and that sucks a little bit, but it also is inevitable. But Dad is still with us, thankfully, and hopefully will be for many years to come, and is uh, still a member of the Gluttons Club. 
But the Gluttons Club, as I've shared, is a legitimate organization and like a nonprofit, and they do events throughout the year. And one of the things they do every year is they do a Christmas show, which is a sort of a big production with audiovisual stuff happening. John would make videos of stuff and and picture slideshows and things, and there would often be musical components. And I personally frequently contributed to the musical stuff. And one of the things that, uh, and like all of those segments would be stuff specifically related to the club that would be of little interest to many of you because it's all very sort of inside baseball, like you have to know the club and you have to know the people involved for it to be interesting or funny, you know, so there's, I'm not going to like link to any of that stuff, but uh, some of it's out there. Um, but one of the things that I worked on with uh, John and Dad was my take of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Because whatever year that was, for whatever Christmas show that was, John had it in his mind that, uh, you know, d- talking to my dad, Dave, I think we need to do a version of Hallelujah that tells the story of the club. Like, for some reason, John wanted to do that. He just really wanted to do that. And I'm a huge Leonard Cohen fan, but I've always shied away from playing Hallelujah because everybody plays Hallelujah, and frankly, Leonard Cohen has better songs. Uh, and also, I, I just felt like it was, more than that, I just always felt like it was a cliche and, you know, kind of, let's let's have a moratorium on Hallelujah for a while, you know? Um so I, I've never done anything with it, and so on. And my dad actually knows my position on that and knew it at the time. And he said uh, he sort of half prepared me for it because he, he, a couple of weeks before he officially asked me, he said, hey, John's got this idea to do a cover of Hallelujah, but change it to be about the gluttons. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. And I kind of hinted at, okay, I don't, I don't want to work on that, but have fun was sort of, was sort of where I left it. And then a couple weeks go by, and Dad wrote lyrics to the whole thing, and uh, they're actually they're they're very clever lyrics if you know anything about the club. But since most of you listening to this don't, it it wouldn't play to you. But uh, Dad wrote his little parody version, little parody. Dad wrote his parody version. Let's take the word "little" out of that. He wrote his parody version of "Hallelujah" that was all about the gluttons, and he kind of presented it to me and said, "Hey, could you read over this?" And you know. Would you mind playing guitar on it and, you know, maybe just putting something together? You know, I was like, uh, fine, okay. Uh, because really, uh, spoiler alert for any of you out there, not spoiler alert, I guess, but uh, pro tip, I guess, if you're dealing with Derek Brink, really the only thing that you have to do to get me to work on a musical project is to basically frame it in a way where you end up saying, come on, man, just do it. You know, <laughs> and I'll go, eh, okay, you know, so <laughs> essentially dad, you know, handed me the lyrics and said, come on, just do it. And I said, okay, and did it. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, at the time said, okay, but it's just going to be acoustic guitar. I'm not going to put a ton of work into it. It's just going to be, it's going to be fine, but just fine, you know? Uh, but then I started working on it and I thought, actually, I might have something here. And I kept working on it, and I added more parts, and it became this whole thing with an orchestration part, and drums and bass and a couple guitars and some of the best singing I've ever done, and it was this parody version of Hallelujah with lyrics written to fit the gluttons. 
And uh, after that, you know, went out, it was it went over pretty well with the Gluttons. They've played it at a couple events since, and it's it's kind of a uh, a, a whole thing. And yeah, I, and I'm very happy that it went over very well. But like after I kind of did the version about the Gluttons, I thought, you know, I I think I want to do my own version of Hallelujah that's with Leonard Cohen's lyrics, and so I did. And ended up being really, really proud of it and releasing it as a single. And it's available over at DerekBrink.BandCamp.com. You won't hear it on this show for copyright reasons, licensing reasons, really. But I, I do own the license for it, but it's complicated to explain why I can't put it on the podcast, but I can't put it on my Bandcamp page. Uh, so, But go over to my Bandcamp page and check that out. I'm very, very proud of it. And it wouldn't have happened if John hadn't said, I think we need to do a version of Hallelujah, you know? And uh, I've told John in the past that that's one of the things I'm proudest of in my music career is is that version of Hallelujah, and, like, that's his fault, you know? <laughs> and uh, so uh, every now and again, you know, do things that your friends want you to do because you may end up being really happy with it. And uh, uh, I owe John on that one for having the idea and Dad for you know, pushing me to do it, and it turned out really great. And uh, uh, that just makes me happy. And I got to work with John and Dad in that way a number of times. We also did a version of uh, Eleanor Rigby, which you will absolutely never hear unless you go to the Gluttons Club, because that's one that uh, uh, the Beatles are a little bit more litigious and aware of what they have than <laughs> every other artist out there, and I did not get the licensing on that one. So I did a version of Eleanor Rigby just for that that show. That was uh, actually a tribute to one of their members who had passed away, who I liked a lot. And uh, uh, so it was, it was an honor to be asked to do that one. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll be glad to do that one uh, and put it together. And I really liked that version of it. And when I sent it to John, because John had a whole audio-visual audio thing to go with it. He had pictures and stuff that he was putting up on a screen along to the tune. And uh, he was great at doing stuff like that. And so I sent him the song, I sent him my version of Eleanor Rigby with lyrics that were about the member of the club that had passed away, and uh, he listened to it, and like I sent it to him, and within within 10 minutes, I got an email back from him that was just a two-word reply that he had enlarged the text really big and made it red, like he put some effort into into, into this two-word reply, and the reply was just, absolutely outstanding, was all he wrote, with like three exclamation points. And uh, I printed that out and <laughs> kept it <laughs> kept it around for a while. I thought about framing it because, uh, as I've told John in the past, that is absolutely the best review I've ever gotten from anybody, and it really meant a lot that it came from him. And uh, I got to work with John on stuff like that, and I was always happy to do it. The last time I saw John, we were working on music for one of the Christmas shows. Because this past Christmas, they had their show, which I would have had reservations about, but it, it went okay and nobody walked away with COVID. But they uh, they had their show, and my dad was part of that. And my dad uh, had it in mind to write a parody of a Jimmy Buffett song that uh, John it, is one of the founding members of the Gluttons. His son is is a glutton as well, and his son's son is also one of the Gluttons. Uh, so there are three generations of John's family in that club. And Dad, just kind of thinking about that and sort of liking the song, 
started writing his own version of the Jimmy Buffett song, Son of a Sailor. That, uh, yeah, like the Jimmy Buffett song is, I'm a son of a son, son of a son, son of a son of a sailor. It's kind of the Jimmy Buffett one, which dad changed to, uh, I'm a son of a son, son of a son of a glutton. You know, that that's kind of the idea of it. And uh, so it was about John and about John's son and about John's grandson. And that was the last thing that we worked on together. We got together at my dad's condo, and I brought some recording equipment, and we had a karaoke version of the song. I didn't, uh, uh, I wasn't asked to do my own uh, arrangement this year, but uh, that was fine. I got to work on it and got to do the engineering and stuff. And John came over to sort of uh, kibitz on it and to... uh, uh, he contributed some ideas that were really helpful, and he pointed out a couple of things that, honestly, if I were doing it myself, I probably would have let slide. Uh, <laughs> but he uh, he was like that. He would hear the thing that you were hoping to get away with, and he would point it out, and you would have to address it. Because you're like, oh, okay, he noticed, you know. And uh, no one else is going to, but he did. And it's a pain in the ass that he did, but I've got to fix it now. and Because uh, that's... John um, John made things better in that way. You know? He saw the way it could be better, and he, he got you to see it, and he was right, and John made things better. And the last time that we worked together, the last time I saw him, we were sitting there writing, or working on and recording something that my dad wrote that was kind of a tribute to him and to his family. And I'm glad that that's my last memory of him. Uh, I don't think I could have asked for a better one. Except I wish I would have... I'm sure that when we left, I said, okay, John, hey, good to see you. Talk to you again soon. Something like that. You know, I... You always wish you would have known so that you could have said something more meaningful, you know? But, uh... I'm glad that we had that experience, and John took a few pictures that day, uh, which his son has subsequently uh, emailed to me, and uh, it's just kind of cool that I've got the last picture that he ever took of me, and that means a lot, you know? Um, Yeah, I got to work on a lot of music with and because of John, and... uh, Uh, But one of the other things that he shared that was on a personal note from me, uh, I wrote a blog post. I've got a personal blog that I don't really promo on this show that often. That's uh, DerekBrink.WordPress.com. It's just sort of my day-to-day nonsense uh, that really has no bearing on this show. Um, But I, I write things there, and sometimes I write things that I'm proud of. And one year, I want to say it was like 2012, this might be 10 years ago by now, that... Uh, I wrote about, I've been fairly open even on this show about, uh, dealing with depression. I'm depressed most of the time. Uh, in fact, (laughs) one year, a friend of mine, it was getting into winter and a friend of mine was talking about how, uh, 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 seasonal depression's starting to hit me. And I went, oh, really? I I, I don't have that. 
They're like, you don't have that? I was like, no, no, I've got the kind of depression that, that lasts year-round. And uh, <laughs> it was part joke, but also part true. I live with depression. And uh, I've, I've been very open about that. You're always free to talk to me about that and ask me questions about that. Uh, every now and again, I won't want to answer, but you're free to ask. And uh, But every now and again, you'll have to accept, I don't really want to talk about it right now. You know? <laughs> like, that's that's a legitimate answer, and you need to accept it when that's the answer. But... Uh, I, I generally am okay with talking about that. And one year on my blog, I wrote a post that was titled On Depression that was just sort of a stream of consciousness uh, version of me talking about my own battle with depression and just my observations thereof. And it's one of the things that's gotten the most attention that I've written. It, it, a lot of people came to my blog and came to other stuff that I've done by, because of that post and uh, John uh, saw that post and shared it to bits and pieces, which greatly increased the readership on it. And uh, that meant a lot that he shared it, and that was a big deal for me that he shared it. But uh, what was a bigger deal to me was the stuff that he privately said to me about it, that uh, I'm not, I'm not going to share with you. I'm going to keep that for myself. Because... Uh, I I I like first of all I just like having that for myself as a memory of my friend but also I feel like it would be a little bit of a betrayal of our friendship for me to say exactly what he said to me but it was stuff that really meant a lot and uh I was glad that he he shared it on the website but I was even gladder uh even more glad whatever's correct that uh, it touched him on a personal level, and that he shared some things with me that uh, really meant a lot to hear from him. And uh, I remain very proud of that post and the the things that are in it, but I am even happier with the way it deepened some of my friendships, uh, particularly right now, the way that it, it deepened my friendship with John. And uh, that that meant a lot, and I just wanted to say that. Uh, the other thing, the last thing that I want to talk about that's a personal share sort of thing, that uh, stuff that he shared that was of uh, original to me. Um, you don't realize it, but you've been hearing it the whole episode. Every song that of mine, with the exception of the intro and outro music for the show, uh, every song that you're hearing between, between segments uh, are songs that John has shared on bits and pieces over the years. Uh, and the next one that you're about to hear is one that he even used in one of the Glutton Christmas videos and didn't tell me or dad that he was using. He just used it, and it, which was great. Uh, he uh, was an avid supporter of my work, an avid, avid supporter of my music, an avid supporter of my writing. Uh, and every, every song you're hearing today is uh, stuff that, for whatever reason, spoke to him and that he shared. And, uh, that is the most, um, touching and meaningful thing that you can do for the musicians in your life is to just make one of their songs part of your soundtrack. And I have always been touched that John has done that over the years, and, uh, it has meant even more since his passing, and, uh, I, I, just, I just wanted to say that, and I'm 
crying like a son of a bitch right now, so I'm going to end this segment. Um, and uh, it just meant a lot that John liked some of the stuff that I wrote. Sitting outside under the street lights. 7-Eleven provided the drinks Good friends provide conversation And it's getting late, I think Well, Checkmates, thank you so much for indulging me I guess in this episode I hope there's some stuff there for you to kind of grab onto and and maybe check out that I either have or haven't talked about on the show in the past but uh, I hope uh, even if there isn't I hope you understand why I felt a need to do this episode Uh, John was a great guy I'm glad that the bitsandpieces.us website seems to be living on Um, that is such an appropriate tribute and such an appropriate legacy for him to leave behind. Um, I miss him. I'm going to continue to miss him, probably on and off for the rest of my life. Even uh, even though a lot of the time now I've gotten to the point where I can talk about him without crying, uh, there are the his passing is one that's going to occasionally just hit me out of the blue for several years to come I can tell that sometimes you have those and his was one of those um I want to share one thing that happened in the last couple of weeks related to the to to John that uh uh was really a beautiful thing that meant a lot to me uh, it's just one of those beautiful moments that you have. Sometimes sometimes when you experience loss, there's something that happens during it that is just inexplicably wonderful and beautiful and that I you do, it, it doesn't make it worth it, but it makes it a lot better, you know? And uh, I had one of those. Um, there's someone whose name I'm not going to drop here, but who I uh, have gotten to know a little bit through social media who was a known personality uh, within certain industries. Uh, At the same time, at a level where if I said their name, you might not know who they are, but they're someone who is a known writer within TV and movies and stuff. Um, And I I, 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 I am afraid that I may have even made our relationship to each other sound a little bit bigger than it is. Uh, We've had occasional interactions through social media. Uh, Like, you know, I'll comment on something and she'll hit like or maybe reply, you know, like just that extent, not not, you know, hi, Derek, hi, other person, you know. But I'm still not going to say their name because I don't want to, I don't want to do the humble brag thing here or anything like that. And I also uh, don't want to be misleading in pretending that we have this great friendship or anything like that. But more than anything else, I just don't want everybody who hears this to swarm her with similar requests. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, this this person who I know through social media, kind of, 
uh, had gone through a loss within the last year and had posted about lighting a candle for for the the party that she had lost and just letting the candle burn out and the meaning behind that and, and stuff like that. She had just kind of posted about that in a way that stuck with me and that uh, after John died uh, and before his celebration of life, that was just on my mind. And I was thinking, you know, I need to do something to kind of to kind of mark this occasion, and I want to make sure I have the details right on that, because I think I want to light a candle for John. You know, just within my own home, not going to a church or anything like that, but I think I just want to light, light a candle for John. And so I contacted this person just through a private message, and I just sent her a message and said, hey, uh, I remember you posting about lighting a candle for a lost loved one, and I recently lost someone who meant a lot to me, and I'd like to light a candle for him, and, uh, you know, just very basic information, and just said, you know, do I have this right, essentially, in, in, in my memory. And uh, she replied back, which she did not have to do, because we aren't close or anything like that. We we don't really know each other, but she replied back and uh, said, yeah, that's uh, something I, I do all the time, either when I lose someone or when I'm trying to put like some goodwill out there, even for myself from a career perspective or for, you know, a friend who's who's g- going through something. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll just light a candle and I'll let it burn down. And that's sort of just putting the, the will of, of that uh, you know, the goodwill out there and into the ether, you know, more or less. She didn't say exactly that, but to that effect, she was like, yeah, I did that. And, you know, th- that's absolutely a, a thing, you know, <laughs> and is, was basically the tone of that. And she sent me that reply. And, and within, within two minutes of having sent me that reply, she also sent me a video attachment that was a video of her at like about a five second video of her, taking out a lighter and just lighting a candle for John. And she just lit a candle and just sort of, uh, you know, just, just the video and said, hey, lit a candle for your friend. Is That's all she said. And I just replied just profusely saying thank you. That was so nice. You you didn't have to do that. You didn't even have to respond, and I appreciate that so much. You know, just stuff like that. In my head, I'm thinking the whole time, I know that the second after she sent me that video, she blew out the candle and put it back on a shelf. You know, why would she waste a candle on me? You know, uh, that was kind of, I, I just assumed, you know, <laughs> um, but the cynical nature of Derek Brink was proven wrong. That was a bad assumption. And I was wrong to make that assumption because the next day, 24 hours later, she sends me a, a, a new photograph and it's that same candle, and it's burned down about halfway. And she said, hey, it's still going strong. And that's all she said. And again, I just replied, wow, thank you so much. I, I can't express to you what that means. And by this time, I've not even lit my own candle, you know? Uh, and another 24 hours goes by, and she sends me a, a, a new picture. That is the candle burned down and and burned out and she said hey it's it's run its course and i won't forget this phrase she said uh hey it's run its course your friend should have found his way to his star which i thought was just a really lovely way of saying that and again i just replied thank you so much i i, I can't 
tell you how much that means. It feels a little bit like I can start letting go. Thank you for that. And, uh, you know, you, you had no reason to put that kind of goodwill out there for someone that you've never met in person, but you did anyway. And if there's ever any way I can repay that kindness, please let me know, you know? Um, that was essentially the nature of the conversation. Uh, and it was just this beautiful little moment that happened between two human beings in the world, uh, which it's good to remember that those moments can happen. It also was a very fitting tribute to John, uh, because I firmly believe that he would have done that for somebody if that was the kind of thing that he did. I mean, he wasn't a particularly religious person. He wasn't into candlelighting and that sort of thing. But um, were he, I can absolutely guarantee he would have done that to someone who reached out, uh, would have done that for someone who reached out to him as well. Uh, so it meant a lot that she, that she did that, and uh, it means a lot that, that that goodwill is out there in the world, and it, it I can't explain it. It's one of those spiritual bullshitty things that you can't fully explain, but just knowing that that happened really did help a lot, you know? Um, and talking about John and thinking about John and sort of relating that kind of goodwill to John, the last thing I want to share with you before we sign off is a quote that I read a couple of weeks ago right after John had died on the show. Uh, that is a quote of John's that his his family shared in the immediate aftermath of his passing, and that uh, I now have printed out and hanging up in my house. And uh, uh, this is uh, this is what John said. This is a good way to remember him, and this is uh, some really good advice from my friend John. John says, uh, "This is John's quote: Find things to laugh about." Spend time with family and friends. Don't let someone ruin your day. Treat people the way you want to be treated. How you react to things that happen in life is much more important than the things that happen. Practice random acts of kindness. Pay for someone's meal at a restaurant drive through Remember that you're not always right, and they're not always wrong. People say things from their own perspective. And uh, checkmates to that, I would add simply... Please be responsible in light of the pandemic. Please remember that black lives matter, that trans rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and that I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. And please be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. Also, John was allergic to onions. <laughs>